The Start On Demand. On demand. Change is coming to Tim Horton's roll up the rim to win. Not surprisingly, a lot of people are not happy about it. Would you eat bugs? Okay, maybe you wouldn't eat them straight, but would you consider eating them if they were mixed in, if their larvae were mixed in to baked goods? Or how about protein powder made out of crickets? And we'll talk about a massive pothole at Osborne and River that I have been asking the city about for six weeks. I finally put in a request with the city's communications department to ask if they knew how long it was going to take. And lo and behold, we learned during our show, it got filled in overnight. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, February 20th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and right out of the gate, Greg, I need to ask you an important question. Okay. Do you have to drink coffee to roll up the rim, or does it apply to your steeped tea? <laughs> yeah, tea is eligible. Yeah? Yes. Okay. And today was a very good day, because I have one of those reward cards. Uh-huh. It's not a clumsy sticker like Jeff Braun has to deal with at McDonald's. <laughs> Oh, and, shots fired. And and the purchase is whatever you're purchasing is free. It's not like you get a free medium. I buy large, so I get a free large. Okay. Today was free tea day. Oh. So that's a nice way to kick things off. I was a little, running a little bit late this morning, and that court of, sort of shifted the gears of my morning, so to speak. Okay. Yes. McNabb, you've got a Tim Hortons coffee in your hand right now. Do you participate and roll up the rim when it comes around? Uh, not more than I would, like I'm not buying more coffee because of roll up the win- rim, roll up the wind to rim, <laughs> whatever. Rim. 607. Roll up the rim. Uh, uh, I just don't, I don't see the difference. Like I don't, I never want anything. I'm not like I have, I think maybe I've won one donut once. Oh, so wow. I'm, I'm not going so that I win. But I'm already going, so oh, okay. I'm not saying like, no, no, give me an ordinary cup, please. Yeah. How long has Roll Up the Rim been around? Oh, 15 De- years? Yeah, quite a while. Yeah. 20? At least a decade. 72? Okay. People. 72. <laughs> well, people do get excited about it though, right? Oh, yeah. They do. Maybe not as much this year. Okay. Is that so, where you're going? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with Roll Up the Rim? They're like slashing. It's like uh, slash and burn pricing. It's like a sale, but in a fashion that you don't really want them to go. They're like cutting the amount of pricing in half. Your chances to win have gone from, is it one in six to about one in nine? So you might as well just keep collecting the reward points because every seventh tea or coffee is free. It's, uh, I don't know. And they're taking it digital as well. Yeah, they want to push people to the, the, the app. I guess the contest usually runs, uh, well, like a few weeks, and now it's going to be dropped down to... It used to run 10 weeks, 10 and now weeks. it's running four. Okay. So not only do you have fewer prizes, you have fewer chances to win the prize. And then... Uh, the jackpot of prizes... The jackpot is, is smaller. It's considerably smaller. In fact... According to uh, 2020 contest rules, the value of prizes this year, $29.9 million. Last year, $71.3 million. Oh, wow. So they're cutting it by more than half. Okay. Sort of matching their share price right Why? now. Why? Why are they doing this? I don't know. I don't know. It's being cheap. <laughs> well, and I think too, the part of it is they want to they want to be more sustainable. Okay, uh, but why that by, by not printing as much money 
<laughs> to give away. Like, I guess that maybe they figure that more people will buy the coffee, or maybe more people do come into Tim Hortons and buy coffee cups. They want to get people to go to their app for digital roles. And I just feel like I I, I respect the, the desire to be more sustainable, but it people like this contest. It, mm. it's, I, I sort of liken it to like a Canadian tradition almost. And I, I don't participate. I don't drink coffee. Right. But it just, I, I feel like this is a risky, this is a risky business from Tim Hortons. I agree with you, especially when they are already seeing uh, a drop in sales at their existing stores. That's sort of how they, they measure your success. Uh, not your overall growth in terms of sales, but sales in existing stores because groups like Tim Hortons are always expanding the number of stores. So obviously their overall sales are growing, but you have to go to the established stores and go, how is your growth? And last year it was, it was negative about 4%. So why they're going down this road is beyond me. It feels like a bizarre decision on, on their part. So at 645, sorry, Loren, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying maybe they were losing money and they need to save some money. And at the end of the day, I think that they don't owe us more prizes. It's a way to get people in their door. But if that wasn't working, if it was costing them in the end, people are going to get mad about this. But I don't know, they got a business to run. Well, let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. Also, they plan to give away 1.8 million reusable cups for free on March 10th, just before the contest gets underway. Uh, So that'll be also part of why they'll be pushing people to the app for the digital roles, which I feel like that'll just take away the satisfaction. Although I remember trying it once. Just somebody at work had a uh, Tim Hortons cup, and I said, can I just see what it's like to roll up the rim? And it it was cumbersome. Oh, it's very cumbersome, but you're right there is that satisfaction when you win something and even when you get the please try again you have some sort of emotional visceral reaction oh i lost again i don't know if it's going to feel the same way digitally loren did you notice this and brett maybe you noticed it at the jets games you've been at this year they used to actually have a draw drum for the 50 50 and they would pick an actual number and now they pick Push this button that I don't think does anything puts, at all. It's a button on top of the drum, but then this the numbers roll on the screen, and then no, it, they don't even roll. Well, it just appears. They, just, they, they, they digitally rolled uh, though, and then they appear. I think they do. I think I it just thinking, shows up. I remember thinking Friday. What? What's happening here? Now I can't see who's who's behind these buttons. Yes. What's this digital thing? Is there somebody up there just yelling out three two six five four nine 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 nine? And then you're like, oh, that's the number. I didn't see anybody draw it. Yes. I had no. I there's game, a lack of satisfaction. There's a there. lack of satisfaction, and you want to see it. So I like I like when I physically roll up a cup, I can see I won or lost. If I have a digital app and it says I lost, I don't believe that as much. Yeah, and it's kind of like having a reg a real book in your hand versus the the ebook very good correlation i totally agree with you don one of our most loyal listeners he's in a place where is he this morning yafank yafak oh yafank <laughs> y-a-p-h-a-n-k new york it's on long island and he's listening this morning as he always does and he says robbins has sip and win Better chances to win, and it runs longer. We'll have to investigate that. And he adds, uh, it's the first sign of spring as well. So maybe for many, it's, it is kind of that seasonal marker. But at 645, we're going to talk about what are your favorite contests of all time? Is it 
Roll up the rim, McDonald's Monopoly, search for gold. We've talked about the search for gold before, so you can let us know. Jackpot bingo, is that a contest? In a manner of speaking. Yeah. I would, uh, yes. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and Loren, big changes coming for coffee drinkers. Yeah, and coffee giant Tim Hortons has announced its latest round of Roll Up the Rim to Win will begin early next month. But it's already taking some heat for some of the changes it's made to that contest. Here's Global's Dave Woodard. Less rolling and likely a lot less winning. The company says the contest will only be four weeks with only two weeks with the Roll Up Cups. The last two weeks of the contest all online on the Tim Hortons app. Marketing expert Mark Gordon says the idea it's about being green doesn't fly with him. They're giving out cups now. They're going to give out cups after the promotion has ended. He says all it will do is make a simple contest confusing. And the customer really just wanted a double-double and a chance to win a free donut. And the prizes? Tim Horton says the value of those will be down to $29 million from $71 million last year. And your odds of winning are roughly the same as getting a rainy day in Los Angeles. Dave Woodard, Global News. So we're getting a ton of feedback at 204-780-6868 on that. And you can keep that coming. But right now we want to talk about our favorite contests. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Fortier. Because there have been some great contests over the years. Some that have been... Like, Roll Up the Rim, I, it's been around as long as... Well, not as long as I can remember, but it seems like at least 20 years. Yeah, I don't remember it not being around. So, yeah, it's been around long enough that people like things the way they like them. People are adverse to change, and I don't think this is good timing for this, Kelly. Boy, it, it is rather <laughs> curious. Now, I'm not a Tim Hortons guy. My what wife is. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, so she might be a little peeved over, uh, you know, not having the chance to roll up the rim and say, see you next time, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Which the few times I've played, that's what I've had. So Why do it in the middle of winter? Do it in the, yeah. the summertime or one, you know what I mean, where people are... Less likely to be cranky already. Yeah. Well, and, and especially, you know, in this country, Tim Hortons right now is getting a lot of exposure, especially for the, you know, with uh, people who watch, who might not be invested in curling on a regular basis, but because they're in nationals and, and you know, Tim Hortons, Briar, uh, that's coming up. They're uh, very invested in, in hockey coverage and, and that type of thing. So, but their it, reputation is already suffering yeah, right now. It, it just feels like a bad time for them to make this change. I, I think you're all putting way too much faith in a con. It's a company contest that nobody ever wins. Do you? Do we all like contests this much? Like, does it really drive oh, you? Oh, come on. Tell me you've never won a cup of coffee. Yeah, before. I have, but it's not the reason why. Like, I'm not going to Tim's. I'm not going to McDonald's <laughs> for the Monopoly. I'm not going. What's the fuel up? Co-op, the fuel up we cash co-op bag. Oh God, those little stickers around yeah. my house all the time. Yeah, I got my stack them in my car don't, too. Don't move those stickers. I'm like, what? They expire. They, yeah, <laughs> and then, they're, then they're gone. I think we're like, we all do we really care this much? No, about I don't contests? think we do. But the fact that they've changed things is bringing to light just one more thing that Tim Hortons is is doing wrong in a lot of people's my minds. Girlfriend's little daughter Anna lost her first tooth on a roll up to rim earlier. Late last year. What? She was doing the roll up to rim with her mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's the only and way. And lost her first tooth. That's well, the only way you can open it is like it. with my mouth. Like I'd have to like chew. Watch your baby teeth there, Fortune. <laughs> 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 I'll be toothless. Oh. Okay, well then on the subject of contests, uh, what were some that you liked? Like Jeff Braun, I know you collect stickers, but that's not so much a contest. Have you ever No, played? it's the buy seven, get one free on the McDonald's Cup. And I used to, I hate when the Monopoly comes along because then these stickers go away. 
Mm. And, and I collect the Monopoly ones, and I was cleaning my house on the weekend, and I threw out 15 prizes that I'd won from McDonald's that I just never cashed in, muffins and small fries and stuff like that. Okay. Because I'll, oh yeah, I'll collect this stuff. I always forget about it. I never cash them in. Yeah. Good count on that. Kelly, yeah. is there a contest that jumps to mind for you that well, you like? Loren just mentioned it. The The last one I can remember really being uh, invested in was that co-op fuel up to win or whatever it was. Yep. Okay. It, it just because I, I kind of like geography. I've traveled a lot of my life. So, you know, when you see some of these smaller places that you've rolled through on a junior hockey team bus in the middle of the night, it, it kind of brings back great memories of the people that you were with at that, at that particular time. But, uh, yeah, so that's the last one. But there was, you know, they always wound up. Uh, you'd be you'd be one short in each category, and I don't know if they just did. <laughs> That's or... what I'm saying. I feel like there's no winners anywhere in any of these contests. Yeah, like, and just like Ontario, where the hell are you? Because the co-op one, in case you're not familiar, you had to get all the town names right. in a certain category, and then you would qualify, yeah, potentially the... qualify. I don't even know if yeah. you do. Like I don't know if you win, even if you get all of them. I'm you still have to I was going to say, even when you like win, when you have the winning prize. Do you actually go and, you know, claim it? Yes. Because uh, when I was in high school, I don't know if this was a contest, but uh, if you bought a milk and you open up the milk and it mooed at you, you, you won a prize. <laughs> and sure enough, that. sure enough, I actually got one that mooed at me. It's like, where's the but, milk? But the, the prize was uh, Brennan Fraser's movie, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah, well, you had to mail something in, and right. it, it, it was too much of a hassle. I'm just convinced oh. there's so unclaimed I, prizes yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so I, I just kept the... The mooing milk. There's the other thing of a whole lifetime of you see a contest or something in a magazine or on TV and you get all excited, but it's not not applicable in Canada or something oh, like that. You know, that's that. Yeah. When you get uh when, oh, you, that when, you, when you when you get ruled out yeah. of qualification before it starts, is there one that that you liked? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the search for gold. Oh, I was, was great. terrible at it. I could never like I it was never even close. What was search for gold? That was the Winnipeg Sun one where they uh, they they, they, they had every day and they would bury uh, they would hide a certificate. What was it five thousand dollars? Five grand yeah. somewhere oh, okay. in the city. Uh, but they I think part of the reason why they stopped it is because people were invading private property to mm. try to find these things. But uh, it was fun and I would. Greg mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Some I would sometimes go with my buddy to the dock on what is it church? Yes, sir. And wait for them to put the papers out, and we would buy a paper right from the dock. I was probably giving you the stink eye in line, thinking, <laughs> "Don't you dare get ahead of me!" <laughs> and we'd go out at three in the morning searching for gold. But like I said, never even in the ballpark. We begin this hour. <laughs> Uh, with something rather appetizing. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Would you eat a piece of cake or a cookie if you knew the fat in it had come from flies? Yeah. You would? (laughs) Yeah. No problem? Okay. Do you think you'd even be able to tell the difference if the bugs were in it or in this case bug fat? I I have no idea. I mean, how could I, right? You probably wouldn't be able to tell if it was... Cooked into it? Baked into it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing. Well, we're asking this question because scientists in Belgium recently did a blind taste test. They did this study and they had baked goods like cookies and waffles that had been made with butter in one batch and another batch that had butter as well. But part of those batches had been made with the larvae fat of a black 
soldier fly. And in the end, they found testers didn't really notice a difference. Important to point out that the, te- the people who were eating this food, they knew that some of the food was going to okay. contain bugs. There was no tricking. There was no tricking going on. But the, the goal was to try to figure out, can you even tell? So we're asking, talking about this because we know that for years, researchers have long extolled the benefits of adding insects to our diet. They're apparently low in cost. They're high in protein. And whether you like it or not, and I do not, a growing number of people are eating bugs. I think it's a 2 billion people were worldwide eat bugs every year, to be exact. Hornets are popular in Japan, termites in Kenya, but they have not been embraced in North America, which is partially why this study is done. As the National Post put it in their headline, would Westerners be more likely to embrace eating bugs in pastry form? Sylvain Charlebois is the scientific director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, a regular contributor to the show, and joins us now. Good morning, Sylvain. Good morning. So is this the answer to people like myself who are grossed out by the idea of eating bugs, that it would potentially be hidden or used in other ways like larvae fat? Well, I I wouldn't say it's the answer. It's an answer. It's an option. I mean, it is the cheapest way to produce proteins, essentially. And when you look at the resources uh, required to produce uh, bugs, uh, I can tell you, crickets is the big one. Uh, right now, it's it's really low compared to, say, beef, pork. In fact, uh, you probably know that last year, Loblaws decided to start selling uh, cricket flour at $17 for 118 grams. So it may sound, exp- it is expensive, but uh, with 118 grams, uh, these proteins are actually quite filling, and you can actually, you only use a, a few grams to to do to make a uh, to put into say a, a cookie mix, and uh, and you got the dose of protein you need. So it's actually quite efficient. Now the yucky part is, or the yucky factor is, is hard to get rid of. Uh, in fact, we actually ran a survey at Dow last year. On uh, on bugs and 15% of Canadians would be willing to eat bugs regularly, so at least once a week. So we're still far away from getting rid of that yuck factor. Say, so, say that percentage again. I, I just didn't catch it. One five. One in fifteen. F- one five. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's actually an impressive number if you ask me. And that's a <laughs> that's a good start. I think if if you're looking at this as a business, and we're going to speak to someone in Manitoba who's been marketing cricket uh, protein for for several years now, and just this idea of hiding it and grinding it up might be a solution. But Sylvain, I guess the one thing I can't wrap my head around is the fact that when we talk about different kinds of chickens and different types of of cows, we know what those cows, at least we think we know what they're ingesting. Are we controlling what the bugs are eating when we're harvesting them for food? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so right now, as we speak across the country, there are farmers that are being certified to produce crickets and different bugs. It is, and it's been happening for years in Europe. This is, this is not going to go away. I actually do think there's potential. In fact, there are some products being marketed right now uh, across Canada with bugs in them. As soon as you know uh, that, that that there are bugs in in the in the product, of course, people would walk away. But they're becoming more and more popular. The one thing that I don't get, that I don't understand, is the economics of these products. They're very they're mostly very expensive. But in actuality, to produce 
proteins uh, and bugs is very inexpensive. So there's a bit of a disconnect there. Where do they do it? Do they do it inside in a controlled environment? Can you explain the process a little bit yeah. more? Yeah, it's very controlled. And, and of course, the, in terms of feed, depending on the bug that you're dealing with, uh, feeds are, are commercialized and, and approved and, uh, and licensed. So there's actually some science to feeding bugs. Uh, whether you believe it or not, there is a science. And, and, and of course, if you are selling bugs to support the human supply chain, uh, you have to be certified in Canada uh, by the CFIA. So it's, it is, it is, it, it exists, it's there. And uh, yeah, it, it's only, I think it's only going to grow. And with the growing... And, and frankly, you can actually produce um, thousands and thousands of crickets in a very, very small room. So the space is absolutely not an issue. And with our growing, ever-growing population around the world, is this something that we really need to look at in terms of long-term sustainability? I think so. I think it's one way. Uh, I potentially believe, I firmly believe that what's going on in Winnipeg, for example, with all the investments uh, on on, pro, on vegetable proteins uh, is, is also a big, big, big alternative uh, we saw in recent years the Merit Foods, Nestle, uh, Rocket, all, they all invested in Manitoba. And I think there's a bright future for that as well. And so you, if you don't like bugs, at least, well, you may be onto lentils or something. Sylvain Charlebois, Scientific Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Thank you, as always, for your time, sir. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, there is a massive pothole at Osborne and River. It is just west of Osborne, like right as you sort of cross the Osborne, the end of Osborne. It's in the right-hand lane, or the curb lane if you want. It's a one-way. And it surrounds a manhole. And six weeks ago, I took a picture of this thing, and I tweeted at the city saying, Hey, city, uh, any idea how long this is going to be the way it is? Because at the time, there was a piece of rebar sticking out of it as well. Great. So the city responded and said, Okay, well, uh, we've opened a a file, and uh, we'll get back to you. They did... I think two days later, somebody had gone to take away the rebar, but I tweeted at them a couple weeks later saying, hey, this still is is a mess. What's going on? And finally, I said, uh, I sent them another message and they said, oh, well, uh, thanks for the updated picture. We'll add it to the file. And the responses from people are saying, oh, so the typical city not doing anything. So we thought, well, let's ask the city, like, what's going on? What is the holdup? Like an this? official request, mm-hmm. a yeah. media request versus just tweeting at something them. that you would do as a normal citizen. Because you were just concerned, like the video that you posted the first time, you could hear that, like yep. the car hitting the lower on the pavement, right? So the, the odd of, odds of hurting your car were high. Well, and not only that, but it's a safe hazard because if you know it's there then you slow down but the person behind me clearly didn't know because they started honking at me Mm -hmm. and almost rear-ended me Uh, and I'm sure then they realized whoops I didn't need to do that so the city I asked them yesterday what's going on and the response uh, this is from Ken Allen communications officer who says I can tell you we are aware of the pothole in its current state, and it is in a non-hazardous condition, which is not necessarily true because people have responded saying they've flattened their tires and so someone went over on opinion. a bobcat. That's their opinion. That's the Yours is opinion. very different. Oh, yeah. It is in a non-hazardous condition and too shallow to hold the cold mix pothole patching material in place. Cold mix asphalt is a special compound used 
to temporarily repair potholes at this time of year during cold and wet conditions until hot asphalt becomes available later on in May, at which time we can make permanent repairs. We will continue to monitor this potholes and make repairs as needed if the pothole worsens and safety becomes an issue. So I responded and said safety is an issue for the reasons I just outlined, and then Ken says I will check on it again tomorrow and let you know. Also worth pointing out, I tweeted at Councillor Sherry Rollins, Mm -hmm. who said she looked into it and was under the impression that it was going to be fixed soon. So hopefully sooner than later. Uh, And yes, this is in my backyard. I live in Osborne Village, but this could be at any busy intersection. No question. And it's a hazard. Forget slowing down. I I avoided, uh, had a near collision yesterday for a pothole uh, in a different area because you swerve. You just try to avoid it completely. You're not just slowing down. You're like, I don't want to go through that period. And that's another uh, hazard, whether the pothole's bigger or small or the depth is on or off. And this is the width of your car. You can see a picture of it on our 680 CJB The width of my Instagram. car? Yeah, it's huge. It surrounds this manhole. It's, it's say, like six, seven feet wide. There's a manhole in play as well, which I think is going to make it even more difficult to repair properly. You can see a picture at the 680 CJOB Instagram story. We are getting a ton of great name suggestions for that big <laughs> pothole at River and Osborne that is surrounding a manhole cover. It's been in awful shape for like six weeks now, and the city says, we're monitoring it. Somebody said, I can see someone just sitting in a lawn chair, sitting, looking at it. <laughs> yep, still there. But that led one of our listeners <laughs> yep, to say, still there. only thing you can do now, Brett, embrace it, name it, love it, let it be part of the village. So the names have been fantastic. We said, but I came up with Potholy. <laughs> Potholy. And Holy Pot. <laughs> but well, one of our listeners pretty close to that, I think, uh, Harkening back to Beavis and Butthead days. That's right. Potholio. Potholio. Oh, there you go. Potholio. I won't finish the rest yeah, of that. Don't. <laughs> uh, so Bill says Potty McHoly Face. After uh, Bodie McBoat Face, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Very good. We got one here. Postolio the po- pothole, or is that was that uh, meant to be uh, Potholio? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, could be uh, one of Either those. Way. Could it be one of those uh, voice to text deals? And DJ just simply says HFH, hole from hell. Oh, yeah, how about uh, you? You like Busta Rhymes back in the day? <laughs> Busta Rhymes was in the place. <laughs> true indeed. Woo ha! I got you all in check. Yes, I like Busta. Yeah, Rhymes. you know Busta Rhymes. The Blue Bombers once upon a time had a player named Busta Rhymes. Okay, and I think maybe Busta Rhymes might have named himself after. Anyway, uh, Busta Frame. Oh, nice. Suggestions. That's my favorite so far. Uh, Rob has suggested it should simply be named Car Eater. (laughs) This one I like uh, because it plays to my geek side. James says Sarlacc Pit or just Sarlacc. And he adds, I just used Star Wars references. Can you help me on that? Return of the Jedi. Hmm? Do you remember Return of the Jedi when they went out to the middle of the desert? They were going to execute Luke Skywalker. There's that pit in the middle of the the desert with teeth and tentacles. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was called? The Sarlacc Pit. Okay. Yeah, I like okay. that one. With I like the one. I like it even better now. The listener who texted it and said, make it a tourist attraction and call it the Village Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> we could install like those uh, binoculars right. that you pay a quarter so you can see deep down into the bottom of the pit. <laughs> those never work anyway, so you might as well put them on a pothole that's only four inches deep. Those things always make me mad. This is Helicopter a, tours. 
<laughs> and there's Sorry. the Village Canyon. Oh, boy. <laughs> I like this one, a musical one. How about Lenny Crevis? Lenny Crevis. Very nice. That, that goes to the top. Yeah, these are all great suggestions. One person here who, uh, <laughs> and you said this, Greg, name the pothole Brian. And I said, Brian. <laughs> and then I see in the text now, in parentheses, Bowman. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Are we supposed to have the mayor on here next week? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, the Abyss. Jacob says the Abyss. Yeah. Oh, that's it. accurate, I would say. Yeah. That's Grand another. Canyon, but that's already taken. And, uh, oh, someone has called it Pouth, part pothole, part mouth. Because it's a mouth that will swallow up your car. People are really putting some thought into this. I, appre- <laughs> I love this. The best. They're the best. Appreciate this very much because it is like one of our listeners responded to our tw- or my tweet saying that they went over it on a bobcat and it uh, shredded uh, one of the belts. Come on, on the bobcat. Yeah. So Great. this is not like a Mickey Mouse pothole. This is a big one. And if you hit this at a at top speed for what you can do that's going to damage your car so just be careful just be careful as you approach lenny crevice the grand (laughs) the the grand osborne village canyon also known as the sarlacc pit and many more things hey by the way we were going to talk about running and how runners hate running if you want to read the story go to the 680 oh is that what we're supposed to talk about here (laughs) hey we got derailed the pothole derailed us so go to the uh, CGOB Instagram story, and you can read the link there because it says half of runners hate running, according to a survey. But we got to switch gears and talk about some hockey. Hextall and Hockey, brought to you by the City of Winnipeg. Not sure what goes in your recycling? Find out what goes where at winnipeg.ca slash recycling or contact 311. Winnipeg Jets newly acquired defenseman Dylan DeMello may not be a household name, but Hextall and Hockey explains why he is a perfect fit for his new team. The acquisition of Dylan DeMello isn't a wow trade by the Winnipeg Jets, but it is a trade that targets the Jets' needs on defense now and in the future. At 6 feet, 190 pounds, DeMello isn't a hulking presence at the blue line. He won't make the Jets' defense bigger. But at 26, he brings five seasons of NHL experience between Ottawa and San Jose. He understands the heavy play of the West and the flash and dash of the East. And when it comes to flash, don't expect that from DeMello. Instead, expect a steady presence, the ability to make the first play with a strong lead pass on a consistent basis. That is a skill. Similar to Neil Pionk, DeMello is a piece to the Jets' defense that will help solidify the structure, especially on the right side. DeMello will join Pionk and Tucker Pullman as the Jets' three right-handed defensemen, which allows lefties like Lucas Spiza, Sammy Niku, and Dmitry Kulikov the ability to play on their natural side where they can find the most success. And if all goes well, the most important aspect of the DeMello trade is he can play an important role and minutes for the Jets and sign as a free agent at the end of the season for a reasonable price point. Yes, aiding in the playoff push is the top priority right now. But this trade is a move towards the off-season rebuild of the Jets' back end. Hextall and Hockey brought to you by the City of Winnipeg. Heard Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.55 a.m., 12.20 p.m., 4.55 p.m., and 8.35 p.m. on 680 CJOB. By the way, traffic note from Damien. There's been a crash southbound Lajamodier near Cottonwood. And another listener texted us to say, I just came through River and Osborne and the pothole has been filled. Not sure when... It was filled. I meant to check this morning as I left. I guess we can call it Phil now. <laughs> sad for Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> I know. I was kind of looking Crevice. forward to put it, posting a lawn chair by the, the Village Canyon. Are you going to go my way? 
Lenny Kravitz. I'll definitely have to go that way on my way home today just to see if the whatever they use to fill it is still holding on. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, have you ever eaten an insect on purpose? You've probably lived most of your life under the assumption that eating bugs is bad, or at very least, gross. But these aren't your garden variety crickets. These guys were raised at a farm in Austin, Texas, run by the Aspire Food Group. Aspire uses data, automation, and robotics to produce crickets that are sustainable to grow and safe to eat. The idea is that crickets have more protein, iron, and calcium than beef, and take less time and fewer resources to produce. That was a clip from an online story from CNET, which went on to a taste test of variety of flavored crickets. And the uh, results of that taste test, they weren't necessarily very good. The headline from the story we discussed earlier this morning, would Westerners be more likely to embrace embrace eating bugs in pastry form. Apparently, some can't even taste the difference. Our next guest would love for Westerners to embrace the taste of bugs, or at the very least, their nutritional value. Alex Drysdale is with Crick Nutrition, and he joins us this morning. Good morning, Alex. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, I was looking back at our lineup sheets, and, and Brett, you did some digital hoarding. Yes. Thank you yep. for that. And uh, because of said hoarding, I realized that the last time we spoke to Alex was just before Thanksgiving 2016. Yeah, it's been a while. So how's it been going with Crick Nutrition? Uh, it's been going good. The uh, The hardest thing has been just uh, like a lot of opportunities coming our way as the industries have been growing beyond expectations. And uh, just, you know, sticking to your values and not jumping at the first opportunity that comes your way just because it's exciting. How has it grown when you talk about what you've seen? So, and, and just for our listeners' sake, I went looking on the website this morning. This is about adding, uh, crickets are part of the protein powder that people might use. That's right? Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, we, we're, it's our main ingredient in our protein powder, and we make it the main ingredient because of some of the benefits in that you guys listed from that article. So it's used as a protein powder. What have you seen in terms of how many people are now using it? You know, for, what's the growth been for your company over the past three years? And, and do you have more staff? Do you have uh, more sales? Tell us a bit about how it's changed. Yeah, we've been growing, as you might have seen on our website. We did run out of product earlier in the year. Um, as I mentioned a bit earlier, I have been sticking to my values, not jumping at every opportunity and been growing the, the business myself up until actually just at the end of last year. I partnered with some uh, very, very experienced entrepreneurs that each specialize in their own departments and we've uh, split the company up into our respective areas and we're just getting ready to uh, relaunch actually under a a new brand and um, uh, we have some investment now and we're we just reformulated based on all the experience we've had over the past four years from our our customer feedback and we're getting ready to to turn the gas on and do a, a nationwide launch in the in the u.s that sounds exciting, Alex, but the, besides the yuck factor, what is the biggest obstacle here in this becoming uh, mainstream might be even an ambitious goal for this sort of product, but for it to be more accepted in, in North America? The, the, the biggest thing that we found is that, you know, with Crick and my old brand, is it's constantly rubbing bugs in people's faces, reminding them that, cricket is that ingredient where people 
might not be, you know, they're not as uh, opposed to it, but they just don't want to be reminded of it constantly. So that's what we've done. We've rebranded to something that's more mainstream friendly and we're not hiding the fact that we have crickets in there, obviously, but we're just, we're more focusing on the, the benefits and the features of the, the product and the ingredients themselves. Uh, and that's given us really, really good feedback. And that's thanks to uh, the help of some of the students at Asper. We've done a lot of projects with them over the past couple of years. How do you grow? How long does it take to grow enough crickets to make a batch of protein powder? So it depends on how big the batch is, but to uh, give you some, some basic numbers, you can pull out about up to 3,000 pounds of edible crickets in a 2,000-square-foot room in about six weeks. So that's part of um, what makes crickets so sustainable compared to, you know, the vast areas of land needed to, uh, you know, grow mammals and, and different uh, different animals like that. So just out of curiosity, do you have a warehouse where you keep these crickets or could they feasibly just be kept in a kitchen cupboard given the space or in the basement or something? So the crickets that we use are grown in a farm, not unlike the one mentioned in the article there. We get ours from Entomo Farms near Toronto and they're grown specifically for human consumption in a very like clean, sanitary space. I grew up you know, around uh, our family farm and many different farms in our area around Winnipeg here and you know, when I first visited the cricket farm, it was really mind-blowing how clean that farm is because, you know, animals are very messy, which a lot of us are used to thinking of a farm, but the crickets themselves are just very clean. And, you know, when, when they poop, they're, it's like hard little capsules, and that's also um, like a really, really um, rich fertilizer that they can sell as well, which, again, adds to the... Uh, to the sustainability and, and efficacy of the of growing crickets versus uh, other livestock. Now, Alex, I'm imagining almost like those pods that they use for growing marijuana these days and that, those same sort of sanitary and constantly monitored conditions. Am I on the right track? Yeah, they're like individual rooms. They've actually retrofitted a lot of chicken coops. They retrofit them, sterilize them, and then divide the rooms up into smaller rooms. And they have what they call cricket condos. And it's kind of like just the dividers that you would see in like a, a wine box or something like that. And then there's just rows and rows of those. And then the crickets grow and, and live in, in those. What do they eat? Uh, we see the crickets that we use uh, is a really it's a really high quality organic uh, gluten free chicken feed. Before we let you go, is there a noticeable difference in taste uh, for protein for for regular say whey protein powder, which is what I use? Um, if I switch to the cricket protein powder, is there a noticeable difference in taste? Uh, if you check out our reviews on our website at Crick Nutrition. Uh, you can see that, like our customers, a lot of them are saying that our protein powder is as good or better than any other protein powder that's out there. And we, we really stand behind that. And with the reformulation we're doing right now, we've actually improved it even further beyond there. And people just cannot believe how, how good our protein powder is. Well, the website is cricknutrition.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. We appreciate this. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Two billion people worldwide already incorporate insects into their diet. Would you be more likely to eat bugs if they're mixed into baked goods? And your options are, sure, why not? 
I'm on the fence, or gross, no thanks, and that is the overwhelming leader at CJOB.com at 91%, with uh, 4.5% each for sure, why not, and I'm on the fence. But on Twitter, the gap is a little bit not so wide. 58% say gross, no thanks, 28% say sure, why not, and 13% say I'm on the fence. Mm. We're getting getting some text messages that are indicating that 28% might even be a larger number here at 780-6868. Good morning, guys. Personally, I'm not sure why insects in general aren't being more embraced in today's climate of sustainability, climate change, etc. You would think those that are pushing hard for climate-friendly food would be Jumping all over this. Personally, (laughs) I'd have no problem eating a cricket or any other uh, insect, for that matter, just as long as it's still not squirming. (laughs) That's it. I think what the study that that prompted this whole conversation this morning, the idea that they were testing people's reaction to eating baked goods that might contain fat from a fly larvae. As soon as you say say fat fly larvae, I'm picturing like the squirmy that section of the bug like alive which is not what's happening right like you like it's that's not what's you know, they're not just tossing flies into your your vanilla cake and then stirring it all up but what are my the f- mental image is off which one of those three words larvae. bugs you the most larvae yeah, that'd be for me too i think yeah, probably. I thought the, the combination larvae fat mm-hmm. just uh it's not a particularly appealing thing. But that's why they call it butter and not like Cow fat or whatever. I don't know. Like, however you chirp, marketing, you marketing right? right? Yeah, for sure it is. But uh, and also on the subject of, of climate-friendly stuff, like I know a lot of people prefer almond milk mm-hmm. over regular milk because they don't want to use animal-based products. And, uh, you know, was it Joaquin Phoenix who railed on the dairy industry at the Oscars? But the amount of water that goes into producing almond milk is insane. So that's where I kind of have... Uh, I, I teeter on the edge there where there's a part of me that kind of wonders, should I be drinking regular milk? And then there's another part that says, well, if I switch to almond milk, then I'm supporting something that's bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. It's just like organic beef. It takes far more land and water and concentration and resources to create that free range organic beef that a lot of people would like to have, but that's not a sustainable answer whatsoever. It would be impossible if all of a sudden everybody said, I'm only eating organic free range beef. We would never be able to feel it, feed the world. It'd be impossible. We'd be overrun by cows <laughs> even more than, than maybe we are already. And just to tie it back to that, another text message saying, I'd, I'd think I'd rather think of a pesky cricket face in my food than the cute face of a calf. I'd certainly try the protein powder, especially if it's priced right. You made the point this morning. It's amazing what we've become used to. If you're a meat eater or a seafood eater or whatever, I mean, shrimp is very much shrimp on your plate. Like they're not disguising that and, and people eat that by the pailful, right? A crab. A lobster? A lobster they pull out of the water at restaurants and then put it in a pot and land it on your plate and you'll eat that. But if it was like a bug, you might not. So it's really fascinating how we've evolved and what we accept and what we shouldn't accept maybe or what we need to learn to accept. It's, uh, I, I guess, 
I guess I should get over it. Yeah, and That's we what think, I'm telling myself. Yeah, like we think of of bugs as pests, and they're gross, and they're depending on the, the the bug, they're scary. You know, like I used to live in my buddy's basement, and I saw centipedes on a daily basis, and they freak me out with all their tiny little right. legs zipping across the room. And you just your instinct, because of what we've been trained to believe, is that's gross. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of eating that is weird. A centipede's but, not far from a shrimp. If you think yeah, about like I its know. little... Especially ugh. that video of the shrimp that's on the treadmill yeah. that, that <laughs> yeah. used to circulate the internet right. like some 10, 15 years ago with the... Yeah. I can't remember. Is that the Benny Hill music? or That sounds right. Uh, so yeah, the shrimp. When I saw that, I'm like, that's what a shrimp looks like? That's kind of kind of insect-like. So the insects in your uh, in your bedroom, in your basement, that was like skip the dishes before we knew what skip the dishes was. <laughs> it was right there. You just you didn't see to have the vision, Brett. <laughs> One of our listeners saying, uh, chicken egg. Eggs are basically larvae or larvae. Larvae? Is that the proper I think pronunciation? Larvae. larvae? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going with. We're going with that. And yeah. what do you think about that with regard to the chicken eggs? That it's basically larvae? Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Like all these things we eat are, if you stopped and thought about what it, what it was or what it was supposed to be. Sure. Right? And we wouldn't, I don't think we need half eat, of it. You might not eat them if you stopped and thought about it too. Ignorance is bliss sometimes. Escargot, do either one of you like escargot? I've. I don't like, think I've ever tried it. I like the butter that escargot comes soaked that's in. That's the key. That's like that, that's the whole reason why not to go on a tangent. But that's why people cap. like seafood to begin with. Cheese. You're not there for the seafood. You're, You're there, there for the butter. To, like I've I've dipped mashed potatoes in that butter. Your bread goes in the butter. The steak goes the in steak that butter. Steak goes in that butter. Your crouton. Your fork. Your fingers. <laughs> Spoon. Yeah. Tongue. Give just, me a break. Just put the just drink the butter. Yeah. The gullet. <laughs> hey, Kristen says almond milk production kills. of the bees sent to pollinate it. So there's another qualm with almond milk. And then Chris texted us because we had a conversation before Global News at 9, not about crickets and baked goods, but cricket protein powder. And we spoke to Alex Drysdale with Crick Nutrition. Chris says, Alex gave us a couple samples to try. Voltage vanilla and chocolate flavors uh, were both delicious. They have a subtle nutty flavor mm. thanks to the crickets. I suggest it to anyone. And hey, I'll try it. I did try a cricket here and I can't remember the uh, where they came from, uh, but it was a, a bag of s- dried salted crickets. Yeah. Alex brought it for you, correct? Was it Alex? It was. I, I'm pretty sure it was because uh, based on uh, the date of when we had Alex on last, I can remember going to Thanksgiving dinner and everybody wanted to discuss the fact that you had eaten a cricket on the air, and I'm pretty sure it was Alex that had actually brought it for you. Is that when you said, well, that's what your turkey's made out of? (laughs) After the fact? It actually wasn't bad. It was, but it was, there was that kind of barrier, that psychological barrier, I am about to eat a dead bug. And, but once I ate it, you know, I just kind of closed my eyes and thought, well, I mean, there's a slight texture thing going on there but it was tasty i don't didn't really have a problem with it so i don't know i think i'm gonna have to try this uh this this protein powder uh for sure i'll just throw it in some chocolate milk or something or whatever and uh report back to you we'll call it uh, call it research we'll see if i can get it expensed we'll just call up the boss and say hey you want to give me 50 bucks to go buy this protein powder <laughs> you've been working out yeah <laughs> I'm fucking up. <laughs> Gotta get them gains. Muscles. Hey, I'm next. Gary. <laughs> we
We have to get, give you the update on the pothole because we spent a significant amount of time talking about this massive pothole at Osborne and River. It's in the if you're going up River, which is westbound, it's a one way. It's in the right hand lane, and this pothole surrounds. It's like swallowing up this manhole. It's not a pothole. It's a crater. It's huge. It's not super deep, but it's a massive pothole. And if you hit it at any speed, it's gonna. It could potentially damage your automobile. So we had lots of great uh, names from our listeners for this pothole. Lenny Crevis, I think, yep. was the winner. One of our city councillors actually texted me. I won't say which one. Said, uh, "Why don't you fill it with water? Rename it a swimming pool, and then the city will close it." Oh boy. <laughs> That is dark. A little bit of shade on your organization, city councilor, who will remain nameless. Can we go back to when you first, you've been complaining about this as a citizen, as citizen Brett, not as CJOB Brett. Citizen Brett has been saying to 311 since Since January 4th. January 4th. You then contacted the city yesterday for more information, and we learned Last night, it got fixed. After after saying what? Uh, they, yeah, because it was one of our listeners at 756 who said, I just went through River on Osborne. The pothole has been filled. So we asked the city uh, spokesperson, Ken Allen, who says, yes, I can confirm that the pothole was reinspected and the repair was made with cold mix asphalt overnight when traffic volumes are lower. Uh, to which you followed up with a question, Loren. Well, we had originally said that they couldn't use that cold mixture because the pothole wasn't deep enough or they couldn't use any temporary fix right now until they could use that hot stuff in the spring. They then went and put that cold mixture in. So I was like, well, what changed that you, you know, you couldn't use that stuff. And then you did last night. And the answer was that the pothole is quite shallow. So the patch may not hold as it would if it was a deeper pothole, especially in the freeze thaw cycle that we're going through. They're going to continue to monitor it. So basically sending out the message that you could go back there tomorrow and, uh, the hole, the hole will be back. Yeah. The Brett hole. Brett's hole. Brett's hole. Yeah. That's Brett. Just, I don't think that's a moniker <laughs> we should go with. But we appreciate all the wonderful nicknames that you provided to the Village Canyon, as one of you suggested. And uh, Potholio, I am the, the great Potholio, was, one, uh, was another suggestion. We had some fun with that conversation. It was so, great. Yeah. Well, we do have more questions out. I think today we're going to work on the idea that we were saying you might not have noticed potholes this time of year in previous seasons if we had had normal amounts of snow. Because one of the good things about the snow is that they fill the potholes mm. and then, of course, create more potholes when they freeze thaw and the ice expands and cracks and all the rest. But I feel like I've seen more or noticed more since Christmas, largely because they aren't being covered with snow or ice or water. And so we have some questions out about the pothole season overall and, and what the the weather we've seen this year might do to it. All right. Here we go. I've got two tickets to paradise. <laughs> Your bags are leaving the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Who is that, Loren? Michael Scott. And Michael Scott was the boss. In the office, we have two tickets for a musical parody. June 4th, Burton Cummings Theatre. Phone lines are jammed at 204-780-6868. Here's the question, the workplace-related question. Researchers say having one of these on your desk at work has been shown to lower stress and anxiety. Back scratcher? No. What is it? Goldfish. (laughs) Well, hey, I mean, if these things might, I, I shouldn't say no, but that's not the answer we're looking for. Glenn, do you know the answer? Stress ball? Stress balls. No, that's a great guess, though. I see Jeff Courier's got, uh, it looks like an egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, he's had it for years. He seems to be always squeezing it. Yeah. 
guess to help if it's a zen zen in, in the palm of your hand uh I, I, that reminds me i've got a, like a bunch of fidget spinners at home and stuff that i haven't pulled out since i moved into my new place i gotta get those uh out they help to calm me down. Your phone is your fidget spinner. I guess it is, yeah. That's why I can't watch TV. I, yeah. It takes me three hours to watch a 30-minute episode of television. <laughs> Mike, researchers say right. having one of these in your desk at work has been shown to lower stress and anxiety. What is it? A small plant. Yep. Oh. It's a plant. Nice. It is a plant. Do you have one at your workplace? No, I do not. If you could have a plant, what would it be? If I could, uh, probably Careful. a little bamboo shoot. <laughs> oh, bamboo shoots. Nice. How exotic. Very nice. Well, hey, Mike, congratulations, man. You're going to enjoy this show for sure. Right on. Thank you. I would get uh, a bromeliad. Which is what? It's uh, it's a plant that was gifted to me. Oh, and Mike, just stand by. Jeff's going to get your details off the air. It's a plant that was gifted to me uh, specifically because it requires almost no maintenance. Oh, so it's like <laughs> no. a cactus? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Did yeah. you get it from one of your bros, a bromeliad? Is it a, oh. a subtle nod to a relationship no, or no, it was connection? No, it was from my, my friend Eileen. She's uh, She's got a little, she's actually started a business called Page, Pages Posies, I believe. Believe. Oh, cool. And uh, she's huge into plants, so uh, she knew that I would be lazy and would probably kill <laughs> a plant because I don't water it enough. So Is it still said, alive? It's still alive. Where yeah. does it sit? It sits just on one of my bookshelves. She says it, it needs very little water, like you feed it water like once every three weeks, oh. and it re- doesn't need sunlight. It's like a crocodile. Yeah. So it's, and it's 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 lovely. It's it, it, so I I should have more plants, and it would I would feel nice. Uh, maybe I'll bring a bromeliad to her new office at two hundred one Portage. Did you just pick this question out of nowhere? I didn't pick it out of nowhere. Well, I just I mean there's a study that came out last week about plants, and it actually was if you stare at the plant for three minutes during your work day, you experience less stress. So it's not just having the plant, but if you kind of just stare, stare directly it. into the eyes of the plant for three minutes, you have like 27% of people in this study had reduced stress. Well, I, I don't know how they brought it back to staring at the plant, but well, maybe that's putty style, kind of, yeah, like on the plane, kind of like you read a book. No, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all right. Well, maybe it ties into the just stop and smell the roses kind of deal, right? Uh, like I posted a thing on my Instagram the other day uh, saying, and it was it was actually a pretty serious post, just saying, you know, there is beauty all around. And whenever you feel down, I or whenever I feel down, I just like to go for a walk and actually take the time to look around at what's there. Just even walking through a park and just looking at, up at the trees and the shape of the trees and uh, just seeing the beauty that's right there. So oh I can gosh, see you're why. you're becoming so spiritual, mm-hmm. Brad. <laughs> you I should could... put a plant in your pothole and then you would just find it fine. Oh, yeah. We, we could probably plant some plants in that pothole, see if they'd survive. If it doesn't work? Yeah. And then we can just turn it into this little urban garden at uh, Osborne Village. But yeah, if you take, I can, I can see that. It just provides you that moment of zen. So having that plant... To look at might be a good thing. I'm going to start doing that at home. I'm just going to sit by the bromeliad and, and have it. a little chat and stare at it. Why do I feel like we're going to come in tomorrow and there's going to be this fern in between our spaces here where it covers up my face and then you don't have to look at me. You can stare at the fern. Between two ferns. Between two ferns. And then A, you'll be less stressed from not looking at me and less stressed because of the plant. Why would I be stressed from looking at you? I don't know, because I'm always making signals trying to tell you what's, what's happening oh. and none of them make any sense. Sometimes I'm not even in here. <laughs> 
That's been happening today. I'm just not even in here at all at the right time. Walk in, Brett's sad and alone. Yeah, Herding oh, cats, as he says. Sad and alone. That's, <laughs> that, that, that should go on my license plate. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. Oh, Brett, so sad and alone. Is there any chance no. that this pothole is just the beginning of a traffic circle? At oh. River and Osborne. And one of our listeners also said, uh, call it the BS pothole after Brett S. McGarry. That's right. Eve wants me to, I call BS on that pothole. <laughs> <laughs> you want, he suggested we make that a sponsored segment. Be like a catchphrase. Or whatever, if I don't like something, I call BS on that. Because I'm BS McGarry. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.